My name is Lorinda. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're here. We're in a sermon series right now about kind of how hard it is to be a human and, and how to kind of navigate that. Um, so in being a human, one of the things that I struggle with is I'm just really not the most technologically savvy person in the world. In fact, the only time I'm the technologically most savvy person in the room is if it's just me and my dad. And he's going to be 85 in two weeks, right? And I got to give him credit. I got to give him props because he at least tries harder than I do. I don't actually care that I don't know very much about technology. Now, my email is down right now. I literally have no idea what to do about it. None. In fact, my friend Tracy Holmes sent me one text this week, and it came through over 80 times. I would text her, and I was like, you can uh, stop now. I got that email. Uh, I don't know what to do about that, and I don't even know, like, this is the deal. It's not uncommon for me to walk into a room with my phone or my laptop or whatever device isn't working right for me and say, I need a millennial. Somebody help me with this. And again, they can fix it. I don't care. I don't even know how to really work the remote control at my house or my television. And so if I'm like sitting close to it and somebody's like, hey, fast forward through this, I'm like, yeah, can't do it. Like you just push the button that says fast forward. I'm like, yeah, here you go. I just, I really don't care. And the only time it really bothers me is when something is broken, like the screen on my phone a few months ago just went completely dark and I couldn't see anything on it. And so after I had exhausted every possibility that I knew, which by that I mean I had yelled at it, I had shaken it, and I had shown it to some people and like, look what my phone's doing. Then I call to get some help to someone I know is drawing a salary to answer the phone and take my question. And I'm like, so here's the deal. My stupid phone, blah, 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 blah. And then they say, have you tried turning it off and back on again? You get paid that for that? You got a salary to tell me to turn it back? And here's what's so frustrating, it almost always works. <laughs> like how is this a thing? How is this a thing that A, you're getting paid to tell me to turn my phone or my computer or whatever off and back on again? And how is it that that works? Can you imagine being on an airplane, flying somewhere? And would you want the pilot to come over the speaker and say anything remotely close to, we're about to land this plane and it's acting a little wonky? So ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to go ahead and cut that thing off, cut that thing back on, and see if that helps. <laughs> no! I don't know that it's really supposed to work that way, but it does. Now one thing I am good at doing that's a little bit technological is I know how to Google stuff. So I Googled, why does this work? And some of the things that I read, I was like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So that wasn't really all that helpful. But I did find one that made sense to me. And this is, um, and this is what it says. The fact is, electronic components can sometimes get into an odd state. Okay, like a black screen. And power cycling, off and on, the equipment forces the equipment to reset and restart from a known good state. Do you hear that? 
So your electronic device can just sometimes find itself in an odd state. And if you turn it back on and back, if you turn it off and back on again, it forces the equipment to start over from a known good state, not the odd state. It turns out that my electronic devices have a lot more in common with me than I thought. And I can absolutely find myself in an odd state. Sometimes we need to stop and restart. We need to take a look at how it is that we are treating one another, talking to one another, how it is that we are speaking, and how it is that we are receiving the words that are spoken to us. How does that, how does that work exactly? So we're going to be looking at Mark today, chapter 2, verse 23, through chapter 3, verse 6. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to, t- to turn to that scripture. If you don't have your Bible with you, you want to look it on your phone, or the words will be on the screen. Um, I invite you now to hear and um, to receive the word of God. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God, When Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. And then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Well, God, thank you for the ways that you teach us. Help us to be learners, hearers of your word, and then people who not only hear but go out and live that word. And so that is our prayer this morning is that as we look at this passage that you will show us, God, how it is we need to restart and reset in our own lives For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So laws, I believe, in our society are are typically put into place for for the good of the people. This isn't always true, but most of the time laws are put into place for the good of the people. So I was curious this week, and I just looked up what some of the, like, crazy laws are that are, like, still on the books in the United States. And every single state has some. In fact, after the 9.30 service, someone came up to me and said, did you know that in 11 states, it's illegal to walk around with an ice cream cone in your pocket? That's helpful. So in Alabama, you cannot cannot eat fried chicken with anything except your fingers. And you might think that that was a law that got put into place like hundreds of years ago. 1961. 1961, somebody decided, hey... You look stupid eating chicken with a fork. So from now on, 
It's against the law to do that. You might think that law is so obscure that no one would ever pay attention to it. But in 2007, a tourist was arrested for committing said crime. Oklahoma, it's illegal to wrestle a bear. I just want to say, if I am wrestling a bear, it was not my idea in the first place. In Galveston, Texas, where the water is now very blue, by the way, for a short period of time, um, it's illegal to throw litter from an aircraft. So I'm going to need you to stop rolling down the plane window and throwing out your Cheetos bags, all right? No more of that. Every state had them. These are laws that we're talking about today, though, are very, very different. Like the laws that we're going to be talking about today and how to uphold them, are, they're the laws of Moses, right? One of the Ten Commandments we're specifically going to talk about today. Um, and I, I want to stress to you that I think it's kind of hard for us, even as Christians, I think it's hard for us in our Western culture to have an appreciation for how important the Sabbath was for the Jewish people of the first century. I mean, it was part of what identified them as Jewish people. I mean, it was a part of their identity, and it was a part of their spiritual culture. Um, it was one of the things that most plainly distinguished them from other people. And so the fourth commandment out of the Ten Commandments is the longest commandment. And so they put a little bit of extra focus on that. Keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. Remember it and keep it holy. It's the one, it's the longest of the commandments. It's the one we're really commanded to imitate God, to be imitators of God. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But the rabbis of that day and time took that one commandment and, and focused pretty hard on it, and they developed an extensive and an elaborate um, understanding of how to keep that Sabbath observance. They developed this really long list of rules and regulations for how, and I think they're just trying to keep anybody from making a mistake, right? So no plowing, no hunting. I can get that. That looks like work. But you can't tie or loosen knots. You can't write more than one letter. You can't take anything from one place to another. And trying to make sure that no one broke that Sabbath commandment they put rules and regulations in place that were not helpful to the people. They took something that was sacred, and instead of using it for sacred purposes and allowing people to benefit from having a Sabbath, they changed it where it became something that was a burden to the people. That was never how it was intended to be, not a burden. So when we look at this first part of the scripture that we read, we look at Jesus and his disciples walking through a grain field. And the law of Moses permitted, absolutely permitted people to take a small amount of grain from somebody else's field if you were hungry. So they weren't breaking any laws by taking this um, grain from this field. But it was on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees were right there to say, look, you can't do that. You're breaking a law. But what's important for us to realize is that the rule and the regulation that they were breaking is nowhere in God's laws. They're man-made rules and regulations that were added to a law that God put into place for us for our benefit, for our good, for the growing of our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. And so Jesus tells them, like, listen, even David knew how to set the precedent 
for Sabbath behavior. When he walked into the synagogue and ate the bread and allowed his companions to eat it as well. And he tells them, like, the Sabbath is here for mankind. Not mankind, for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a blessing. God telling you, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy is actually a gift. And it got all turned around and it got to an odd state. A really odd state. Because maybe even these Pharisees thought they'd walk too far. Because one of the rules they had established was that you couldn't walk more than 800 meters on the Sabbath. So God gives instruction for the Sabbath. And here Jesus is claiming authority over it. Authority over it. So then the next scene we find Jesus and his disciples with a man with a withered hand. And um, Jesus heals him, and he does it on the Sabbath. And again, nowhere can you find in the laws of Moses that this can't take place. They've turned it all around and used it to their own gain and to their own benefit. There's no evidence also to ever teach us that Jesus taught his disciples not to observe the fourth commandment. Keeping the, remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is important. It's important for us to do. But when we start creating rules and regulations that come between us and between God, then we're in an odd state and we need to stop and restart from a known good state. And that is Jesus. That known good state is that relationship with Jesus. That is what matters. There is a, the, the verse in chapter 3, verse 5, where it says that God looked around at them, I mean, that Jesus looked around at them with anger. And it even says that he grieved over their hardness of heart. I'll stop and think about that for just a moment. If you would with me, please. He is angry with the people, with the Pharisees, because they don't care. Again, they took what was sacred and they made it unsacred. Sacred is, we, we take sacred things and use them for sacred purposes to help other people, right? He's angry with them. And in the same verse it says, and he grieved over the hardness of their heart. I think there's a tension that exists in the world in which we live in today. I think that tension might be that we're just a lot better at being angry. That when we see people who aren't following the rules or the regulations that we've put into place or that we think should be the rules and the regulations, when we get in that odd state where we're not really paying that much attention to what Jesus has to say, when Jesus tells us that one of the most important things you'll ever do in this life is love one another. And we get in this odd state where it's like, I don't have to love you because I don't agree with you. Right? We just hold anger. And everyone who's different, and everyone who sees things differently, we're just angry. But Jesus had this anger toward them, but he grieved for them. He grieved over their hardness of heart. 
where, how are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we able to hold this tension in our own lives? Where when, we, when we see brokenness in our world, when we hear about the things that are happening around us, that it creates a, like a righteous anger in us, but we don't stay there. Our hearts grieve for those who are broken, grieve for those who are hurting. Are we willing to say, like when I look at my own life, do we grieve over the brokenness? Do we grieve over the hardness of our own hearts? Are we just holding all that anger, waiting for a place or a platform to let it out? Because when we begin to grieve over the hardness of our own hearts and the brokenness of the hearts of other people, we'll be living and we'll be coming from that known good spot, that known good place where we're following the commandments of Jesus and not just man-made rules. Rules and rituals are sometimes in place for very good reasons, but we have to understand they are not there to save the human soul. Only Jesus can save the human soul. We have this question to ask ourselves. We really do. Am I in an odd state? Like the words that come out of my mouth and the way that I treat people and the way I receive words that are spoken to me, is it always in anger and hatefulness? Or is it in love? When someone I don't see things the same way as speaks words to me, how do I receive those? And will I allow my heart to grieve over the hardness of the hearts of other people? Or will I be that person that just continues to lash out? The laws of Moses were put in place as a blessing to the people so that we could live our lives the way God really intended for us to live. They're a gift. The Ten Commandments are a gift to us. But when we take those beautiful, blessed laws and we contort them to meet our own agenda, to say what we want them to say instead of what they really say, then we, my friends, are in an odd state and we need to reboot. We need to stop and ask God to change our hardened hearts, to soften them so that what we can do is be an example of the saving grace of Jesus Christ in the broken world in which we live. Let's pray about that together. God, we thank you that you would love us enough to grieve over our hardness of heart. We thank, the, thank you that you have given us this blessed gift of Sabbath and pray, God, that we will always remember it and keep it holy. We thank you, God, that Jesus taught his disciples to keep the Sabbath the way you intended it. So help us do the same. Break our hearts for the things that break yours. And give us courage, God, to live the way that you called us to live from a known good state, right smack dab in the middle of the grace of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.